What's up, everybody? This is Pastor James. Welcome back to our midweek Bible study. Today, we will officially finish up chapter 16 as Paul is closing out this amazing letter to the Corinthians. Now, last week, we talked a lot about the first half of the chapter, and we we covered a lot of background information behind the offerings going to uh, the Christians in Jerusalem. Um, And so today, we're going to finish up. We should be able to finish up rather quickly, so let's get started. Um, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Let's read verses 10 through 24, which is the end of the chapter. Read this with me, and we'll get going. It said, When Timothy comes, don't intimidate him. He's doing the Lord's work just as I am. Don't let anyone treat him with contempt. Send him on his way with your blessings when he returns to me. I expect him to come with the other believers. Now about our brother Apollos, I urged him to visit you with the other believers, but he was not willing to go right now. He will see you later when he has the opportunity. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And do everything with love. You know that Stephanus and his household were the first of the harvest of believers in Greece as they are spending their lives in service to God's people. I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, to submit to them and others like them who serve with such devotion. I am very glad that Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus have come here. They have been providing the help you weren't here to give me. They have a wonderful encouragement to me, as they have been to you. You must show your appreciation to all who serve so well. The churches here in the province of Asia send greetings in the Lord as do Aquila and Priscilla and all the others who gather in their home for church meetings. All the brothers and sisters here send greetings to you. Greet each other with a sacred kiss. Here is my greeting in my own handwriting, Paul. If anyone does not love the Lord, that person is cursed. Our Lord, come. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. All right, so let's talk about this and let's finish this uh, chapter and this book up. It's obvious that Paul had difficulties with the people in Corinth respecting him as an apostle. And we talked a lot about that earlier on in the beginning of this book. And so it would not be surprising that he would worry as to whether or not the church in Corinth would treat Timothy with respect as Timothy was very close to Paul and worked directly under him. And so Paul loves Timothy very much. Um, This is basically his disciple, his young protege, and, and he's one of the most aspiring people that is with Paul during this time as uh, Paul has a lot of confidence in Timothy. Now, he calls the Corinthians to protect Timothy as he is young. And yes, Timothy deserves respect, as all Christian brothers and sisters deserve respect, but he is a young leader, and Paul knows that um, to be mistreated by a group of believers could have a drastic impact on him as being mistreated by Christians, and I'm throwing quotations around that right now, often has a drastic impact on anyone. So, um, you know, just being aware of that, anyone who's mistreated by a church or a group of believers or anyone who calls himself a Christian, if you've been mistreated by anyone, that can have a really drastic impact on you because it's very confusing because you you think that a person who claims to be a believer in Christ should know better. And yes, they should know better. 
But at the same time, we have to remember that we're all people and we're not perfect and we all fail. And, uh, you know, we don't always make good judgment. Even myself, as an individual, I don't always do or say the right thing. And at the same time, I've been mistreated by other people who have called themselves Christians. And I've been mistreated by people who are uh, pastors and leaders in the church. And it's very difficult to overcome that because it always affects you differently when those people do it. And it's uh, it's interesting that we see in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, where Paul directly um, encourages Timothy not to let anyone look down on him because of his age. And it could be that Timothy may have struggled with confidence. Um, he struggled with allowing people to mistreat him or to not show him respect. You know, he just may have not been very confident because of his age because Timothy was young. Um, but it kind of seems to be a little bit of a recurring issue as it's mentioned a couple times in Scripture. And, and so that might be why Paul is encouraging the church in Corinth to really make sure they treat him with respect. But also the people in Corinth were really not doing very well. And so I, I think it's important to understand it's probably a little bit of both uh, as Paul's encouraging them to do the right thing. Anyway, um, this letter infers that Timothy is on his way to Paul. Um, it's supposed to be seeing Paul and Corinth seem to be a, a very natural stopping point along the way. And so Paul's going to be stopping in Corinth and Paul wants the visit to go well for Timothy and the Corinthian church. And this is why he reminds them of their duty to show love, respect, and to give blessings to their fellow believers in the midst of all this. Now, uh, the writing about Apollos in verse 12 is a little interesting because uh, Apollos seems to have uh, been considered one of the apostles, and the apostles did not necessarily have lordship over one another, and I think that's really important to remember. <clears throat> now, in the grand scheme of things, I think Peter was always viewed as the one in charge when it really came down to it, but there never seems to be any indication that the apostles were... Uh, leading one another or in charge of one another in any way, but very much they kind of operated underneath their own authority. There were times where the apostles uh, held each other accountable. Um, you know, obviously as people they weren't perfect, but at the same time, um, you know, they, they kind of need to uh, be called down every once in a while. And so I'll give you an example. There was a time where Peter is uh, ministering to a group of believers and he's spending a lot more time with the Jewish believers and kind of ignoring the Gentile believers. And Paul really calls Peter out on that and uh, holds him accountable in that situation, which is a good thing because, like I said earlier, we don't always do the right thing. We're not perfect. We are not Jesus. And we don't do the right thing. We don't say the right thing 100% of the time. And so we need to be held accountable by other people. So the apostles are not necessarily in charge of one another, even though they are there to hold one another accountable and provide leadership in many different venues. So as Paul encourages Apollos to go and visit the people in Corinth, Apollos declines because he's not under the leadership of Paul. And uh, he just kind of says he'll wait till, he, till a more convenient time for him to be able to go. Now, uh, that's kind of important because you remember at the beginning of this book, Many of the people in the churches in Corinth were very faithful to their own apostle who baptized them. And Apollos was one of those apostles that was mentioned that the people seemed to favor. But right here, 
Apollos is not in a hurry to go see the people in Corinth. And Paul's the one who's really taking the time to write the letters and really trying to plan and send people there and, and come and visit them. So that, that's important to note. So in verse 13, now 13 starts the final instructions for this group of churches in Corinth as Paul gives them some, I'm going to say generic, and I'm throwing up quotes again when I say generic, but it's very, it's very, um, kind of routine but very valuable instructions for any believer. You know, this whole letter has uh, kind of been in instructions referring to specific problems that the people in, in the church was dealing with. And so they're trying to kind of get uh, some direction as to how to move forward and bring some reconciliation to a lot of these things. But the, these last few words that Paul are writing are, are really for any believer at any time. They're instructions uh, for all of us uh, um, to to maintain a healthy relationship with God and a good walk with Christ. I mean, th- these are really important. So the first one he says is be on guard. And, and we should always be watching and aware of all that's happening so that we can be prepared to respond as Christ would have us to. We should always be prayerfully on guard, aware of the situations and circumstances around us, aware of how Satan is trying to work and move so that we can do the things that Christ has called us to do. The other thing he says is we should all stand firm. And there's so much truth to that. We should never allow ourselves to be swayed by the world or opinions or desires or things. You know, we have to stand firm on the foundation of God's truth, which is clearly spelled out in his word. All right, so so Paul also says, be courageous. And as believers, we have to be brave. You know, we follow Jesus Christ. We follow a Savior who calls us to give up our very lives if it is necessary. And so um, we can't allow fear to take control of us because we are not called to have a spirit of fear, timidity, but uh, to be of power, love, and self-discipline we will cause ourselves to stumble and give in to various things if we don't stand with courage and uh, relying on the strength of Christ. And so the last one is be strong. We're not called to be weak. That's really important. A lot of people in the world see Christians as weak. We're not called to be weak. We're called to display the power of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that we fight like the world does and we... uh, you know, get out our fists or get out our weapons and we go to war. But it does mean that we uh, stand strong and that we not allow ourselves to be taken advantage of or anything like that. But we are very aware of the things that God has called us to do and that we are making sure that in our lives we're doing that. And in situations and circumstances, allowing people to uh, get the better of us might be exactly what God's calling us to do. And we have to be strong enough to allow ourselves to do that, to allow ourselves to be taken advantage of in the name of Jesus. Um, So be strong. And the last one that he says, do everything with love. Uh, Remember chapter 13? There was an entire chapter in this book devoted to love being the greatest and most important thing that you can do as a Christian. So do everything with love because God is love. All right. So verse 15, uh, and we're getting to the end. Paul begins to commend Stephanus um, and his household 
and this is pretty significant um, because it seems that Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus are all men that brought the issues and all of the questions from the church in Corinth to Paul to get guidance from him. So these seem to be the three men who have kind of delivered this letter to Paul and, and, and these questions to Paul so that Paul can respond in an appropriate way. This is They are the reason we are getting the book 1 Corinthians. So Fortunatus and Achaicus, um, I thought this was cool. Like They're probably either slaves of Stephanus or they were freed from him. And because these names were very common slave names or they were very common names of former slaves that had been freed. And so um, Paul was thrilled with these three men and their understanding of spiritual matters. Um, this is why he encourages the church in Corinth to submit to them as leaders because they serve with devotion. And Paul even talks about how these three men have come and ministered to him with provisions and encouragement. And it was such a wonderful thing. And so Paul is very much a fan of these three men. And, and Stephanus's house was, was the first group, uh, first family of people to believe in Jesus and to be baptized in Corinth. And so they're very important. They kind of started the movement, um, or the movement started with them uh, for people to get saved and churches to be started. So anyone that serves should be appreciated. And Paul reminds the Corinthian church to treat these servants well. So even uh, though Stephanus is the head of his household, he's still a servant in Christ. So, it, you know, it's really funny how... Um, you know, in the Greek and Roman culture, there was this understanding of how the master, the head of the home, and then the slaves, and that hierarchy. But inside the church, you know, a, a, a master, a head of the home, could travel with his servants, and yet, as they travel to do the Lord's work, they were seen as equals. And so, Paul is promoting, uh, in this moment, uh, Fortunatus and, and Achaicus as being leaders in the church, even though they may have been may have been slaves, or may were formerly slaves, that they are seen as leaders in the church in Corinth, even to uh, you know well-to-do Greek or Roman freed uh, men and women that they could be in charge of them as leaders. So that's kind of a unique thing to take into perspective too. Um, so these men are serving well. Paul reminds them to treat them well. And when Paul is writing this letter, you know, it's just kind of important to remember that he is in Ephesus. You know, we get the book of Ephesians um, where Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. So right now he's actually in Ephesus ministering to those people personally. And this married couple, Priscilla and Aquila, just happen to be with him as he's ministering in Ephesus. Now, this is important to know because Priscilla and Aquila also were with Paul in Corinth as Paul was there ministering to those people. And Priscilla and Aquila in Ephesus um, had a church in their home while they were living there. And there was, there was uh, Christian meetings, uh, worship services going on in their home. And uh, they were also sending their greetings to the church in Corinth. So Priscilla and Aquila were very much a, a big part of Paul's ministry, um, had a lot of leadership and had a lot of influence as they traveled from place to place as they were hosting churches and teaching people. Um, so apparently it was pretty custom in the Jewish culture as well as in the early church 
to greet one another with a kiss. And, uh, you know, it's, it's important to think about, um, Paul refers to it as a holy kiss, but it's really important to think about how we greet people and how we treat them. Um, because the sincerity of how we greet and treat people, it can be very, it, it's, it's felt. Like people know whether or not you're sincere or, or know whether or not something's done begrudgingly or whether or not they're truly welcome in a place. And it's important that as these believers are welcoming one another and, and taking care of one another that we are genuinely receiving one another and loving them with true Christian love and affection. And uh, that's why he kind of refers to this as that holy kiss because it has to be genuine. All right? So... Verses 21 through 24 might be a little disappointing for some of you if you're new to reading God's Word. Um, this was kind of one of those things that when I was younger, um, as a believer, I had a really hard time with this. And I'll just kind of share this with you um, personally. Uh, I absolutely hate getting cards um, from people who just signed their name. And I've never said that before, uh, but I feel like it's just kind of one of those things, like it's really easy to just buy a card, like, oh, I like this card. I'm going to get it, and I'm going to sign my name on it, and I'm going to give it to somebody. And, and I don't know why, and I'm not saying that people do this intentionally, but it just seems like an easy way out. And so, um, basically, if you, if, you, if you know me personally, uh, I'll just be honest with you. If I get a card from you and it just has your name in it and you didn't write anything, um, that card's going in the trash. I love you, but if it's just your name, like I love you, I don't collect uh, autographs from people. But if people write a personal message to me, um, I always save those. Like I have boxes and drawers full of cards and letters from people that are so meaningful and important to me because like that message of of what they had to say means a lot. And so as a young person when I began reading scripture and I first realized that Paul was not the actual one writing this letter, I really struggled with that. Like it it, it um it took me a while to understand why, and probably as I got older and as uh, life got busier and I had more responsibilities and being in ministry role and leadership roles and I started having to delegate and and get people to do things for me that I just did not have the time to do. It wasn't the fact that I did not want to do them. I needed people to help me so that I could accomplish everything that needed to be done. And as Paul is not the one who's actually writing this with his hand, this letter, okay, 1 Corinthians like 97% of this book is not written by Paul's hand. It's written by one of his assistant's hand, kind of his secretary, who's writing this down. Um, I had a struggle with that early on. And so maybe some of you might be disappointed hearing that, but Paul did not write the majority of this letter. Um, actually, Paul only wrote verses 21 through 24 with his own hand. But Paul was speaking the words that he wanted to say. And as he was speaking, 
he had an assistant who was writing down everything that he wanted to say in regards to answering these questions, giving guidance, doing all that stuff. So even though Paul didn't write it with his own hand, don't fall into the trap of thinking like, oh, well, this is a fraudulent letter or Paul didn't really write this. You know, you have to remember that these are still the words of Paul and these words were still inspired by the Lord and it, and it still gives direction for Christians on how to handle different things that go on inside the church even till this day. And this is very important. Now, Paul, in the end, Paul, you know, gets there and he says, hey, these are these are my words. And he signs it with his own name. And a lot of scholars believe that maybe one of the reasons why Paul didn't write his own letters was because he may have had really bad handwriting. And so if you look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 11, um, Paul writes and he says, notice what large letters I use. And so um, they're not sure if, if Paul had really bad handwriting or maybe he couldn't see so he wrote really big or, or what was going on. But for whatever reason, and it's probably just a simple fact that he was so busy that he had people assisting him in these things. And I'm like this, you know, I can talk a lot faster than I can write. And so if I can think about something and just say it, a lot of times I have to go back and make so many corrections in my typing or in my handwriting because I can think so much faster than I can write. And so just having someone to scribe that for you would be very beneficial and save on a lot of time. So Paul writes these last uh, four verses, and, uh, and they are his handwriting. And his words are, If you don't love the Lord, you are cursed. And I, I just think that's a really fascinating uh, thing for Paul, of all the things for Paul to write with his own, own hand. Why would Paul write that? Why would Paul write, if you don't love the Lord, you're a curse? Well, as I was studying, um, the Greek word for cursed was anathema, which is also tied to the Jewish custom of discipline and, uh, with the temple and the synagogue system. So if you if you did something that was um, considered offensive by the religious leaders, what they would do is they would they would you know call you out on it and you would be given 30 days to repent of this offense. Now, if you did not repent, you fell into the second phase of discipline uh, for this system and, where you were giving this indefinite time to repent, so there was no kind of there wasn't a defined time to repent, but you were you were saying, "Hey, you need to repent, or this is what's going to happen." And so they gave you the consequences of what was going to happen, and, and what they told you was the third phase of that being carried out. And so if you refuse to repent still, when you reach the point where you reach the third phase of discipline inside the synagogue or temple system, what they would do is you would receive the punishment of anathema, which was 
you were cut off from the synagogue, you were cut off from the community, and you were no longer even considered a Jew. And once you reach this point where you refuse to repent, and this was pronounced on you, and you experienced anathema, there was no hope of ever being restored to the Jewish community, your Jewish family, or your synagogue ever again. It was permanent. And so what Paul is saying is that anyone who doesn't love Jesus is cut off with no hope permanently. And that's really important to know. Because if you don't love Jesus Christ and you don't serve him and you're not devoting your life to him, basically you're you're cursed to eternal darkness, eternal death, eternal uh, rejection from your heavenly Father. And, and that's important to understand. So the words that Paul uses to describe this, it's not just like, oh, you're cursed. Like, ooh, I'm going to cast this witch spell on you or something and you're cursed that way. No, like you are cursed. And, and that's what the curse means is that you are cut off from God eternally. You're cut off from the community eternally. And that's really important. And so as he closes out this letter, um, he he's talking about how important it is for them to love Christ. And it's important for them to know um, Paul in the very end says that he loves him. Um, he, lo- he loves the people. He-, he loves the people in Corinth. And that's important to know because Paul just handed out some hard teachings in the past 16 chapters. And he did it out of love and care for them, not because he wanted to be mean to them. He loves them and he cares about him. And, and we said this earlier, but at least Paul was still willing to interact with them, to visit them, to write them, to send people to them. Paul was still trying to minister to these people. And then you look at the other apostles, which some of the Corinthians wanted to hold in higher esteem than Paul. It does not seem like the other apostles were still very concerned with the Corinthians. It doesn't mean they didn't love them, but they were doing other things. But Paul was still trying to minister to them. And Apollos which was one of the apostles mentioned uh, as being held in higher esteem than Paul, he wasn't willing to go see them. He was waiting for a more convenient time. Um, now, we don't know what exactly what that means, but it, it doesn't sound like Apollos was nearly as concerned with the health and well-being, the spiritual health and well-being of Corinthians as Paul was. And so that's really important to, to understand as we close out this letter. Paul does say some things that that seem very harsh and and they could be taken very harsh especially not being able to connect the culture and context in which we live today but he loved them and he was willing to share truth with them and as we close out today one of my greatest challenges to you is to know um, and surround yourself with people who will speak truth into your life Do not surround yourself with people who will flatter you and tell you things that you want to hear or like to hear. Surround yourself with people who will speak truth to you. The people who will speak truth to you love you the most. It may not seem like it. It may not feel like it. But if they're willing to speak truth to you, they love you the most. Always surround yourself with those people because they care more for the longevity of your life 
than for the here and now. And they don't just love you for who you are now. They love you for who they know you can be and who you will be. And they're trying to help you become all that God has created you to be. So surround yourself with people who will speak truth to you just like Paul was speaking truth to these Corinthians. All right? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we just want to say we love you. Thank you for this time and this opportunity um, to read your word and to study together. And Lord, I pray you just speak into our hearts. Lord, remind us of your love. Remind us of the love you've called us to have for one another. Help us to be obedient. Help us to serve you. Help us to glorify you. And Lord, help us to always be truthful with others and surround ourselves with people who will be truthful with us. We love you today. We thank you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in for another week. Uh, As always, we want to invite you to our services on campus at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And if you're not able to make it in person, catch us on Facebook, YouTube, and the podcast. We love you. We're praying for you. Hope to see you soon.